The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Risa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks man. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Are you? I mean, all things considered, yes I am, I am. Okay then. <laughs> That's all I say about that. That's our show. <laughs> and Well, we hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. There is some pretty horrific stuff going on at the moment, so... um. Yeah, we hope everyone's doing all right. Mm. Quick bit of admin. We will be recording uh, late after the Champions League final. It'll go up on Sunday. Then we will be doing an end of season mailbag episode that we will be recording on Monday. And then posting on Tuesday. So if you have any questions about the season as a whole or bits of the season or anything to do with this season either tweet them to us at Stadio or if you're not on Twitter you can send us an email hello at Stadio.football yeah we'll do that and then we will be doing one more final episode on Thursday with a couple of friends of ours yes which I'm hyped about yeah yeah very much so and that's just going to be a bit of a chat yeah other than that check the Stadio Archers place on Spotify oh can I actually just give a quick shout out to a listener I actually met one in the wild, Musa. It happened. Um, <laughs> Shouts to Pippa. We met yesterday. Lovely to meet you. That's lovely. Have you been recognised this week? <laughs> I don't, this sounds like a little bit of a bit, doesn't it? It's just, it never happens to me. I actually literally said, I was like, it's usually Musa. And I'm stood next to him and people go, Musa, I love Stadio. And I'm like, I'm right here. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm the only like bald black dude in my corner of Berlin. So <laughs> I used to live in your neighbourhood and I know that's a lie. So stop it. I know this. <laughs> 
Anyway, all right, let's go on to the show. Today we're going to talk about West Ham winning the Europa Conference League. Absolute scenes. Mm. Seeing, seeing Moisey run on the pitch. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot there was of excitement. <laughs> Incredible. It all, it all of a sudden, like the East London meter right went up to 11 at one point. <laughs> I was expecting Michael Caine to turn up at one point. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Hey, shout out to the Hammers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about Messi announcing that he's going to into Miami. Uh, and maybe a couple of other transfer bits. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man. West Ham United have won their first major trophy since 1980 and their first major European trophy since 1965. We're going to leave out the Intertoto Cup in 1999 because <laughs> apparently it's not major. Oh, uh, no. But I'll tell you what, when, they, when anyone won it, it felt major. Yeah, that's you know true. What, that's, that's, the Intertoto Cup should have its own subgenre. Of, it's not a major trophy. It's not a minor trophy. It's an extra trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Bikita Trophy. Anyway, showing my age. Uh, they beat Fiorentina 2-1 thanks to a last gasp Jared Bowen breakaway goal. Mm. Cue absolute bedlam. Yes. And uh, absolute scenes in Prague. Moyes charging down the touchline. They weren't allowed to take many fans over West Ham, but they sounded far louder than the 4,000 that, that went there. Yeah, it was weird how huh? because they they I think they use a smaller stadium for the conference league finals because mm. they're a l- less than twenty thousand. Yeah, which mm. is cool in one sense, but it would have been I think they would have Fiorentina and West Ham in a final they would have filled a massive stadium, especially Fiorentina's recent form too, like in cups. Mm. Yeah, they would have. But still, um, should we, do you want to talk about the game itself? Because the first half yes. was yes. not great. I felt like. Um, Felt like West Ham actually had quite a, you know, like Jose Mourinho major finals, start very fast, then sit deep, absorb pressure, then ramp up the counters later in the game. It mm. felt like that pattern. West Ham started extremely well, getting a shot off from Antonio after about 40 seconds. Mm. Pakatar looked immediately brilliant um, and found gaps really, really well. But then Fiorentina got their passing rhythm. Like, there was a stat that BT, and was, someone said it later, someone said on Twitter, actually, it felt like it was the only stat that like BT had about Fiorentina. They had the second highest possession in Serie A. Um, <laughs> but actually- oh, The, the, the all, other one they had, the other one they had was the top goal scorers in this competition. Of all the stats they could have kept quoting, actually, it was a very, very useful one in which to understand the game because Fiorentina's passing, particularly Amrabat, from about five, 10 minutes in, was spectacular. Some of the way they were moving the ball through the middle, Gonzalez on the flank as well, was really, really impressive, I thought. And they got a really good hold on the game. And I thought West Ham did well to, to hang in there, to break up play, because they're really, look, that, that is a team that really can run away from you, Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. So I think credit to West Ham for actually remaining resilient for, for the bulk of that half. So Amrabat sort of dropping into the centre-back position almost between the two, and then just, just running it, actually. Absolutely running it. How, how did you see the first half? 
I thought West Ham did pretty well actually because they just um, they allowed Fiorentina to kind of do their thing mm. and they knew that they could really punish them on the break like Bowen one side Ben Rama down the other and Antonio through the middle with Pakatar linking the play I think yeah. it, it gave them I don't think they needed to be too clever in that first half actually no agreed yeah um, and that kind of <laughs> I mean it, it wasn't like the there was there were a ton of chances no. in the first half um, I mean they had the Jovic disallowed goal Mm, which he was slightly offside for. It feels like like 80% of Jovic's luck has disappeared the moment he left Eintracht. I think like, he might be the most spiritually onside player of all time. I think he's had a spiritually Jovic. onside career, actually. Yeah. yeah, spiritually onside, but continually offside. Continually. It's so strange, isn't it? Because I actually at, thought this yeah. goal was spiritually... It was, this goal was offside by the letter of the law, but, you know, letter of the law. The weird uh, thing is... But it was, it was spiritually onside. This in, goal. His, in his... In, um, as a partial critique, if he'd been onside, I don't think he... If this is a consolation to him... If he'd been onside, I don't think he gets to the header because yeah, the maybe. margins are so small. You see how the ball crosses line the angle. If he'd been like six inches back, I don't think he makes as clean a contact and I think the keeper saves it. So if any consolation is there, it's that. Um, but yeah, really good attack actually from them in that context. But then we have to mention the first half. We have to mention Viragi being hit by Yeah, this was the wild. What yeah. happened here? Because like I couldn't, all of a sudden it just was there. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where the trigger was. So I think Gonzalez had some thrown at him and I think he caught one and pretended to drink from it. And then Biragi was over in the corner and a load of them rained down. Like he took it in quite good humour. I think it was Gonzalez that caught it and pretended to drink from it. He took that in quite good humour, but then that was almost a cue for them to intensify that corner of the crowd that were throwing plastic cups. The thing about those plastic cups, right? They do have, thrown at that speed and that distance, mm. you're going to get caught by a glancing blow because they've got those sharp edges at the bottom. And one of them basically just like made a massive cut on a cut, well, it was a, it was a lot of blood coming out and it's basically, mm. you shouldn't be getting injured if you walk over to the corner flag in a conference league final. It shouldn't be happening. And I think this is the thing about that. It really does put a blemish on that because there were a lot of cups flying down. Never will be like, I saw people running to be like, oh, it was a minority. Yes. And also there should not have been, there, there were a flurry of those things flying. Like there were loads mm. of them flying for one to him and land. And then it was like, well, what are we actually doing here? How, and, and you know, Jurgen Klopp, I'll come at the Jurgen Klopp statement when he talked about songs and things being chanted. He said, does this help the players? I don't necessarily think it does. Um, who does it serve? It doesn't serve the spectacle because no. you're going to get people looking back at it going, well, there's lots of people that travel and behave impeccably and they win stuff and they go home. And that's kind of the only blemish in this performance. But I think it's quite a big one because you've got Biragi going out to the corner flag and getting injured and playing the rest of the game with a headband. And then he has a miserable night. He concedes a penalty later. I mean, he just had a nasty night all round, to be honest. But I remember seeing that and thinking, my God, like, it's your big occasion. It's a European stage. And that's going to be one of your main takeaways. You got injured by, by a group of fans in the corner. And there needs to be some kind of, I mean, there needs to be some kind of sanction for that. I don't know what form it will take, but there needs to be hey, some Well, West Ham of, said that yeah. they promised to, issue indefinite bans on fans that they find. I think UEFA need to have stuff. a word as well, to be honest. I don't think it should be a self-regulation. Mm. I think UEFA need to kind of go after that too, if I'm frank. Yeah. You could see like Declan Rice was straight over and was just like... Yeah, it's not about... Yeah, because he gets it. It's yeah. not about that. It's not about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, shame about that. But back to the football. And then a pivotal moment comes in the second half when Biragi, they go in goalless. 
And then the ball gets played and it's a high cross and it hits Biragi on the hand. And it's one of these penalty decisions we've talked about all season where under the interpretation of the law as it is, you have to give it. And it's really not clear how much Biragi knew about it. Um, and it would have been a real shame. The only thing I'll say is it would have been a real shame if that had decided the game. And I'm really glad that Fiorentina equalised. But uh, Bimrama with a great penalty, a great mm. penalty. Um, and he played well actually up until that point. He'd not had much of the ball, but he'd been pretty good with it, I thought. He'd moved the ball pretty well, stretched the play. So he was good value for his goal. Um, yeah, then we get, it was, that was about an hour in, I think. Mm. They took the lead and they got the equaliser. Uh, Fiorentina at a point where five minutes later if, yeah. it was weird because it felt like when, when West Ham scored it felt like the kind of game was so tight it wasn't going to see another goal that makes sense mm. yeah yeah and actually when Fiorentina equalised I assumed they'd go on to win it because they had a really good period after they that they did goal. have a good run yeah the one thing I will say about that is that it was funny because you saw Pakatar had that thing where throughout the game he was threading those really really good balls through and there was almost mm. The winning goal when it eventually came was almost this a pass he plays about 20 minutes early. It was almost like a trailer for West Ham's winner. Mm. He, was founding, he was finding this gap in the kind of um, inside left channel from deep with a quick release that Fiorentina couldn't really deal with. And there's a great piece by James Horncastle in Athletic where that was a goal, that was a ball that they've been susceptible to all season because the style mm. they play with the high line. But yeah, you're right. Fiorentina actually put great pressure on after the equaliser and you could almost argue got sucker punched for the winner, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Fiorentina played the way that they always play. Mm. If they'd won the game, you couldn't really argue with that. No, no, no. But at the same time, I think that West Ham, by the odd moment, it didn't really feel like they were really, really under the cosh. Mm. I feel like both teams, you know, I've t- I've, there's a game I always talk about. It was a group game, group stage game, when Atleti beat Dortmund in the Champions League a few years ago, it was 2-0. And Atleti had like 30% possession. I mentioned that game all yeah. the time because it's a perfect example of both teams getting exactly the game they wanted. Atleti went there and they were like, okay, Dortmund, 70% possession. I don't think it was in Atleti. Atleti were at home and they were like, okay, we'll give Dortmund the ball. And Dortmund are like, we're happy to have the ball. And both teams go in at halftime going, oh, we're playing exactly the game we wanted. Yeah. The difference was... The way that West Ham wanted to play and execute, they did it perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Tilo Kera, shout out to him coming on because he's not had the easiest time at West Ham coming on and making an impact, giving it more solidity for West Ham. And Moyes really, over the years, criticised for not getting things over the line. And for him, this is huge, actually, mm. because it's a vindication of his methods in big games. And he hasn't always had that vindication. So I'm happy for him uh, to that extent. But yeah, both teams playing as they wanted to, but Moyes outsmarting Italiano, who is, by the way, a phenomenal coach. Yeah, they've done a really great job this season to take them to two finals. A brilliant coach. But um, but yeah, anyway, so Jared Bowen with the winner in the, uh, in the 90th minute. And can I, can I have a bit of a whinge? Go for it. I wasn't a massive fan of the BT Sport commentator saying, Jared Bowen, it's up for grabs now. Which is I wasn't, 89. I was the 89 commentary. Michael Thomas. Yeah. It's Thomas. It's well, up for I, grabs now. I wasn't a fan of, I know, look, no one's going to care, but I'm not a fan of the commentary generally. Yeah, I think it just showed, a, I, think, I think a lot of it showed a, a lack of imagination. Um, I just think that 
the, the final is lessened as a spectacle if you don't get the full story of who's playing, what they're doing. Look, Amrabat had a spectacular World Cup from Morocco mm. and we had no conversation about the journey he's been on. We had no conversation about, you know, in Algerian players versus Moroccan players in the final, like North Africa standing up. Like, none of that. Like no conversation about, real conversation about Fiorentina's journey and the star they've played in and how they've influenced football in the league around them. Because teams like Fiorentina and Empoli don't win many things, but they, they keep Serie A teams honest. They keep them at high level. You could argue that without them playing in that style, maybe Italian teams don't do as well in Europe as they've done or prosper around mm. them. So I just felt like, I felt like Fiorentina got really shortchanged and it made the spectacle quite dull because I'm, I'm hearing like every five minutes I'm hearing about the brilliance of the away support and like, look, I know the away support's incredible, but I'm also like, do you, are you just revealing your, la- are you pandering to an audience because you have a lack of knowledge and preparation? Whereas you've got James Horncastle and other great pundits in the studio. Like BT Sport have this strange thing where they've got outstanding people in the studio, but the match commentary is really poor. And I think, to be honest, I think it kind of really, um, Don Hutchison, I'll shout out, he was great in many Mm. respects, but I just think that you're actually patronising the viewer. If you yeah, think it, it, own, it does yeah, get it yeah. does get a bit too much like that when an England team is in when an English team is in the um, mm. is in is in Europe on or a, a game that they're covering on Europe it always just feels a bit like oh, someone wrote to me on Twitter said can we get this a little bit I named I named I said this on Twitter and someone said oh but the Italian TV coverage would be just as bad and I said two wrongs that make a right like where did this suddenly I hear this argument all all the time oh well they would have done it I'm like first of all we don't know that secondly even if that is what happened it makes it a poor spectacle. If you want to keep politics and stuff out of sport, then fine. But actually, you know what? How about putting some sport in sports? How about getting jingoism out of sport? Give me a full picture of who the players are, what they're doing, what their journey is, what that TIFO means, what the fan culture is like here, what the fan culture is like there. Like, make it a spectacle I can get engaged, engrossed in. I, otherwise, I'm, otherwise, I'm muting it which I wouldn't do because, you know, I want to hear the fans actually chanting because I love that's the one of the best parts of the game. But, you know, sorry to gripe. I, I don't like, but I, I hate talking about this, but I just felt I had to say it because it's just, you're doing a really bad job of this actually. And you don't need to be. With a couple of personnel changes for match commentary, it gets vastly better overnight. So sort it out, actually. Sort it out. I agree. Yeah, anyway. Do you know who sorted it out? David Moyes sorted it out. Jared Bowen sorted it out. And can I say that the one-on-one when he went through on the keeper, yeah. it had elements of like, you know, Robin against Casillas only because like it was such a big moment for Bowen. He had a tough season. Like West Ham came 14th yeah. in the Premier League. He had a tough season. You know, he didn't quite have, he didn't, his careers, you know, obviously when he, he flew to a certain height and then hit some treacle, I think hit some, you know. Yeah, a bit of his, second season his, syndrome. Yeah, his, it kind of exploded his, last season. Hit some quicksand, but then found his way again, to be fair to him, later in the season and really pulled it together. And he went through on goal and actually, it wasn't the cleanest finish, but it was also mm. a game of chicken. So it's not like me criticising. It's more that like, he had the guts to see that through. Great finish to finish so late. And then absolute scenes at that point, because you saw all the pressure. You saw decades of West Ham fans in that crowd who'd gone without joy. You saw mm. a team that had almost been down twice in a couple of years and Moyes putting them back up. You'd seen, uh, you know, a board that had been under pressure and all of that, all of that just came out in one, 
I mean, in the half hour, I mean, I watched the entire post-match coverage because it was quite funny to see. <laughs> it was really funny to see ex-West Ham players so giddy for the success. It was actually, yeah. it was it fun. All, it was you know fun. What it, 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 it all of a sudden turned into like, 3am in the student union on the last day of term. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I mean? was like, Everyone yay. was just like, it was, <laughs> no one knew what was going on. Carton Cole was gone, then he was back again. The angles were all over the place. They were right in front of the West Ham fans. David Moyes is singing the chant about Jared Bowen. It was incredible. Which is like, it was incredible. And I think he realised where the line was going <laughs> and the camera was on him and kind of did the whole like, <laughs> like, just, just like, I'm not going to get caught mouthing these words. But, <laughs> <laughs> it just all went really silly. And actually, I know we kind of were saying the, the like that bit, because it was so, it because it was so silly, it was actually kind of fun. It didn't feel like you were actually watching a post-match of a football game. It felt like you were just, it felt like you were watching something else. Yeah. But also, yeah. I kind of respect that bit because that bit really, really lent into the, like what it actually meant for West Ham. Right. Whereas, you know, you would have hoped, for example, I don't think it would have been because it was an English coverage of an English team, but it would have been interesting to see how much they'd lent into how much it meant for Fiorentina had Fiorentina won the game. Do you know what I mean? But I think, uh, yeah, that yeah. And, and if, if I'm being honest, I think they captured the vibe of West Ham, like just the West Ham vibe perfectly because literally they couldn't fucking believe it. Really. It was I no, couldn't the, believe they won the European we, trophy. Here's the thing: I'm not going to like. I think it was when I say it was hilarious, and it was it was quite wholesome in its own way. And there was, you know, there was there was a lot of there was some. <laughs> how do I say this? There was some very <laughs> some West Ham legends got forgotten in the post match. I'm not going to name names, but there were some extremely. <laughs> there were some big claims made about listen, West Ham legends. We listen, won't name when, names. Listen, no, no. When David Moyes got called. West Ham's greatest ever manager, Harry Redknapp. I want to know. The talk sports switchboard lit up. Harry Redknapp was like, oh, you've not seen this, but Harry Redknapp was like Matson in succession. Phones, fucking phones. I need to see phones now. Phones, phones, phones. <laughs> there were a couple of statements that would have got West Ham just up on their hind legs. Wow. That one, that one was, I, I watched that and I, and I was just like, that right. is... I was crying. Greatest ever manager. Phones, phones, now phones. <laughs> Listen, that was incredible. I'm not going to lie, that was incredible. I didn't want that to was name incredible. This. The claims, <laughs> it was like an arms race. The claims kept going up and up. It was, honestly, man. <laughs> Poor Trevor Brooking. Someone was like, because you know, they obviously meant, they obviously meant haven't won a European title in 58 years. But, yeah. but the ATFA Cup got forgotten briefly. I, I know. Like, Poor Trevor catching strays. <laughs> oh dear. But do you know what? That, that that's, in that, that's, that's is the like, giddiness. That's how, that's yeah, how it feels. And actually it feels. was like, yeah, we all forget stuff in moments like that. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, but it was, it was really, it, yeah, it was, <laughs> I found it really fun to watch. I can't imagine what it would have been like being a West Ham fan watching that. It must have been Because amazing. I think, do you know what it is? I think one of those things where, look, I mean, Relegation was a real threat at one yeah, specific point. A real threat, really right? With was, all the investment, yeah. all the players brought in. And all those players brought in, and it wasn't quite clicking, particularly the defensive end for West Ham this year. And it was pretty bleak, and it's been bleak there. And then, you know, when you win a trophy like that, you look back on everything. The recent, you know, Moyes was written off, and certain players were told they didn't have it. 
and the midfield wasn't gelling, the defence wasn't quite working out. And there's a lot of players in that squad who've been on big journeys, like Mihal Antonio, but also Tilo Kera, PSG, was seen as like the bright young thing in his position and kind of slipped back a bit. So there's a bit of redemption there for everyone. Players in that squad have been through relegations and all the rest of it. So it's really, um, there's a real, a sense of a journey or one stage of a journey being complete for them. And to be qualifying, if it's incredible, really, to have a Europa League qualification after a season like that. They're the team, they're the lowest ever team to win a European trophy. Well, in terms of like, they have the lowest ever league finish in the same year they won a European trophy. And that was the athletic stat. It was published behind, they were behind Schalke, behind Eintracht, and Schalke 12th, they won mm. the UEFA League, the UEFA, UEFA Cup in the late 90s. So like all of that, it's, what an ending to what has been at times a very, you know, quite a bleak season, a difficult season. Mm. So the relief and the euphoria all mixed together. Joe Cole was there. Martin Noble. Martin Noble, yeah. sporting director now, isn't he? So he, he, uh, he looked, he, he, yeah, he looked really emotional, actually. Well, just um, in terms of what it does for the future of the club as well, like the players you can now attract... And the buzz around the, oh, well, I mean, the, also, I mean, the West Ham's a huge club, but just the buzz, yeah, you know, but the no, buzz. no, but just everything like that helps. Like if you know that you can have a pathway, it's all about creating a pathway, isn't it? Or like yeah. we, we always talk about it, it's the direction of travel. Now, West Ham looked like they were going, they could have gone to the Europa League final, uh, Europa League final last year. They mm. lost out before that stage. And then to come to bounce back and qualify for the Europa League in this manner this season, I think has been really impressive. And I think that, You've got to remember that this isn't a side used to being in Europe recently and they've actually managed on the whole, because they've, like you mentioned, there have been some patches that have been ropey, but on the whole, the, the last two seasons, they've actually managed that transition into being in Europe regularly, mm. or playing in Europe and playing in league. It's a huge journey. And, you know, the, these, particularly the Europa League and the Conference League, they're real, they're odysseys as tournaments they really and I think what they do allow they allow you they're such long tournaments they allow you a bit of escapism from the league if I do have one criticism of West Ham I would say you've shown your level is higher like the quality the players produced in this tournament show that their average level can be higher their domestic level can be higher there is quality there um, and there is maybe a wider question about whether they're getting the best out of the players at their disposal um, I think they do have, I think they've got higher quality than 14th in terms of the, the squad, but yeah, they that's, a, that's a small, do, I, that maybe is a, I don't like to sort of be too critical at the time when they've won. But also, remember what some of the stuff that we were saying earlier in the season about how weird the season has been and how weird actually you've seen some of the league positions be. Yeah, yeah, that. that also, yeah, yeah. So mm. let me let me be fair there as well. But I think, I think David Moyes deserves a huge amount of credit here. And actually, if, I mean, I've floated the idea before, not based on any intel whatsoever. The least ITK person you will ever meet in football is I. I mean, I'm, I'm less than than you are. I put the I in ITK. <laughs> um, um, if he walks now, like he will forever be a West Ham legend. And if yeah, you think yeah. a few years ago, but when he got the job back, that we'd be saying that in 2023, no one would have believed you. No one. And has it been perfect? No. Like you mentioned this season, there were, re- there were real talks about him going. But I think that he, got, he had enough credit in the bank from last season. And really, it's kind of been proved right. I mean, the difference between finishing... Where are West Ham realistically going to finish in the league this season if you look at who's up there? Ninth, mm. maybe? Mm. Maybe eighth? 
absolute push and that I mean, this, eighth, yeah, eighth this in this current Premier League would have been an unbelievable season for West Ham so what you've lost out on four, five, six places of prize money but that's it I mean finishing ninth and finishing 14th I think if you if you throw a trophy like this in there it doesn't really fucking matter I think it changes the season as well doesn't it, it yeah now, of course yeah, it does yeah. of course it does but even if they'd lost the final mm. they would have lost it to a side who have been brilliant at points this season mm. and actually a side very similar to West Ham in terms of what they've 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 kind of probably underperformed a little bit in the league this season but if you look at the teams above Fiorentina in Serie A there's some there's some really good teams in that league yeah yeah, yeah. And I think actually in a funny way, I think, I think, I think West Ham is as good a fit as it gets for David Moyes in the Premier League. I think with yeah. the kind of the style of play that you're seeing the around moment, the league, yeah. I think in terms of the actual fit, if you say, if Moyes left, where would he go tomorrow in the Premier League? I'm like, mm, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a better fit at this point. I just don't see it. It's not, I think you should hang around. When I think of players who've left clubs where they were doing really well, and you would just assume the form goes elsewhere. It doesn't actually. Like there's such a specific group of factors that make you, you know, he's almost got the setup he had at Everton where you've got a huge club that has fallen hard at times and you're then trying to return it to a place of its former glory mm. um, through a kind of careful pragmatism. You're bringing in talent here and there, but you're building from a strong defensive base or in theory, a strong defensive base kind of the cultural fit that he had at Everton and West Ham now, they're, they're kind of similar. And I don't, that's not given up lightly. Mm. And it, look, if you are a club legend, there's one of two things you do. You either leave immediately or you double down. You don't half step it. So you basically like get a longer contract or you get improved terms or you bounce, whether you're a player are you or a saying West? Are you saying David Moyes should yes. back down? He should there it double is. down. <laughs> that's exactly, I was hoping to tempt you to say that. <laughs> uh, so, I, w- I want to end on two things that I think will will make not only West Ham fans happy but anyone happy Duncan Alexander pointing out Umbro winning a European trophy nature is healing he's so funny Duncan. he is funny man <laughs> Duncan and um, always, why always him sorry carry on yeah. Isaiah Whitlock Jr tweeted a gif of Jared Bowen with a she <laughs> <laughs> you're joking Nope. No, that's perfect. I'm going to send it oh, you right this please, second so you can inc- get a live reaction. Right, that's sec. incredible. Send it. Here you go. Let's get everyone. Let's, everyone, let's get Moose's reaction. No, 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 no. Live no, on not, air. No. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Such an audacious crossover. It's like when Kendrick, so good. you know, Kendrick's new track, The Hillbillies of Baby Keen, when he mentions like Leo Messi, they're going like, what? That's <laughs> what tempted Messi to come to the, come to MLS. Apparently. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's not, Messi. I just made that up. But Kendrick in Paris. Um, that, that did happen though. Kendrick was in Paris. Um, congratulations. <clears throat> congratulations, West Ham. Congratulations, David Moyes. Congratulations, all the players. And uh, we hope you Hammers fans are, are enjoying it because for most football clubs, trophies don't come around very often. If ever. If ever. So enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I don't like to sort of say this too often, but you must, I mean, there'll be some sore heads this morning. So hydration, please. West Ham fans. It is June, isn't it? And there is a, there is a heat warning coming up this weekend in England. Oh my goodness. Stay hydrated, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important 
to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know someone who's going to have to stay hydrated soon? Who's that? Lionel Messi, because he's moving to Miami. Wow, my goodness. I would say he's taking his talents to South Beach, but they play in Fort Lauderdale, so it's not really quite as, not <laughs> quite still as have, sexy. You still have said it. Um, Lionel Messi has announced he's joining into Miami. Um, wow. Mm. I have to admit, I, I know there have been a lot of reports about it, him going there, but I'm kind of surprised it's actually actually happening. Um, it's a massive <laughs> I mean thoughts and prayers with Phil Devil because <laughs> Phil Devil got turfed out the door mm. and then um, the next week Lionel Messi is brought in who knows maybe that was the, the final detail of the, of who, the knows, deal. who knows I mean <laughs> but, but, um, uh, can I say this I mean shout out to Inter Miami fans that didn't buy matched it well fans who didn't buy tickets before Messi got signed or announced because the resale price of some of those tickets a friend sent them over the first Messi game <clears throat> the resale tickets are going for five hundred dollars and a regular game goes for like twenty five thirty I mean that's that's uh, quite the markup actually this is interesting because in the athletic they highlighted that he might play against Cruz Azul mm. on Friday July twenty first in the, you know, that League's Cup that's taking place between Liga MX and MLS in the summer. Mm. And that would give Messi a break and um, after Argentina's friendlies and then and then he would come back. So, it's in, I mean, we don't know when he's going to start. But anyway, let's, mm. we don't need to worry about that yet. But the fact that he's gone there is, I mean, we hear this every time a big player signs, for, signs to an MLS side. Mm-hmm. That this could be this could be the game changer for MLS, but I feel like this is so different because none of those players have been anywhere close to being the greatest of all time, or in the conversation for being the greatest of all time. Really, um, this is Pele New York Cosmos vibes. Mm. You know, it really is maybe similar or comparable because that's the profile of player Pele was when he moved at the time when Pele moved to the New York Cosmos. He was the greatest player of all time, and there wasn't. Mm. It wasn't close, actually. Um, Messi moving to Inter Miami. The league is, you know, the thing about he was booed. He was booed for a few games at PSG. Um, the the French league is fast. It's really, really fast in terms of fitness. It's up there with any league 
Um, so, and the style of play, MLS won't be quite as quick. So that won't be a thing that's exposing him as much. Got some good pieces around him. It'll be entertaining. It'll be fun. Um, in terms of what it does for the long term, the league, I mean, who knows? I think just having Messi in the same country as you and having Messi and training and turning up and watching him in the flesh, I think is a huge, huge deal. And also as well, the MLS is far better developed than the American game was when Pele arrived in the 70s. There's mm. more infrastructure. Yeah. So oh my uh, this, God, is, yeah. this is really <clears> just <throat> a kind of, you know, some might dismiss it as a marketing coup. I don't know. I think it's actually, it's, it, is, it is deeper than that. I think it is a chance to witness a legend in the flesh and be playing as a professional or, a, you know, a trainee in the same two, three year window as him is, is a huge deal. Um, regardless of, of the cost. And, you know, it's also been, speaking of the cost as well, it's an unusual deal. It's been structured with help from, it looks like there's be a, there'll be a stake in streaming revenues. There's talk of like a stake from, uh, from Adidas, uh, from in Apple TV. And there's also talk of uh, money coming from Adidas too. So it's, they've really pulled together to make this deal work financially. Yeah. And I think it's a, a, a an ownership option as well, right? I mean, they mentioned. Wow. Yeah. And it, I must say, of all the moves that he could have made, there's a move to Barcelona, there was talk of move to Al-Hilal, for example, in Saudi Arabia and into Miami. It's the one that generates, weird enough because it's a high-profile move, it generates the least heat and the least light. Mm. Of the three options, because for Messi, there are no calm options. It's the calmest possible option he could have taken, I think, of the three. Because it attracts the least scrutiny, the least criticism. And like, even though he is still Leo Messi and he's globally famous, I think the fanfare and the attention, the intensity will be less. And that's what, you know, he said as much. He said as much. It's just, he has a family. People, you know, forget Messi is, he is still a human that walks the earth, you know? Um, and Barcelona, I think would have been, I think Barcelona would have been a mistake. I think this Barcelona in their current guys, I mean, even judging by the statement they released, uh, during, uh, you know, looking at Messi's choice not to, not to join them again, it felt like Barcelona didn't have the financial ho house in order enough to make him a, a substantial offer. They didn't make an offer actually, um, according to him and his representatives. So I think he just took the move that worked for him. Yeah, I, I totally get his position about not wanting to be responsible for having to sort out all of this financial stuff at Barca. And having players to leave to accommodate you, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Imagine they've just won a league title. They've just won a league title, Barcelona, and you arrive back in Barcelona. Oh, by the way, some of the players that won that league who've just built themselves to a level have to leave to accommodate you. So automatically mm. you're kind of, you're accountable for their departure. And people are fickle. Like, you know, <laughs> The, the commentary that was made, it was like, oh, despite the offer being made, Messi has chosen to go to Inter Miami. It was a bit of a salty, I found it was quite a salty, like slightly entitled message, if I'm honest. And also like, look, the presidential elections of Barcelona are in a couple of years. Now, it's a great, it's a great sort of uh, political statement to say, oh yeah, we brought Messi back. We're the ones that returned him here. And I just, I just don't know if Messi's return to Barcelona was being thought of at Barcelona with Messi's best interests in mind. I'm not convinced it was. Yeah, I think he clocked that as well. And I think that also the way that it happened, the, the way that it was all handled last time on his, I think. Yeah, he said, he said, after it happened yeah. last time, mm. you can't risk it happening twice. I mean, as a, as a, you know, football romantic, mm. it would have been nice to see him play for Barcelona again, I think. 
And I actually think that, I mean, we saw what he did in the World Cup and I still think he has plenty to offer a top European side. Lionel Messi. Messi inspired is spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the problem was that he just wasn't happy at PSG. And I think that the departure wasn't happy. His arrival felt just a bit, it just all felt a bit meh, you know, for him being there. But he still played some unbelievable football in the last couple of years. And Lionel Messi walking around the pitch, he's done that in his entire career. We said this before, like he's always done that. I think it's just a little bit more noticeable now, but he's always done that. The thing that's quite sad for me actually is just that like, that's it for the Champions League. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There is actually a slight sadness, I think, not seeing him play in the Champions League anymore because I feel that he still has real Champions League moments. I do wonder if the way that this, the way that the seasons shake down, you'll get a loan deal to Barcelona in there. I just have this feeling because it's like, it works financially. They don't really have to like, they don't have to sell anyone. Do you know what I mean? It's temporary. It kind of, it kind of aligns with some of the the off season in MLS, and he gets to say a proper goodbye as a Barcelona player. I just have a feeling that they something like that might happen. I think Laporte needs to eat a bit of humble pie. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. And I love the idea of that only because, like I said, you, you know, like, like you said, sorry, like you said, you look at the Argentina team in that World Cup, and there was not a single second of that World Cup where I thought Messi looks tired. There was not a single moment. If you think about how remarkable that is, there's not a single point when I thought, oh, he's playing within himself. He's conserving himself. It felt like he made the runs he wanted to make. It felt like he was reading the defences perfectly and he was making all the right choices. And it's not impossible with the youth of Barcelona now to surround him with players that get his very, very best out of him. Mm. And even, even over the course of you know half a season, he's spectacular. I just think that I just think get your act together, Barcelona, actually. And I know that sounds mm. like a harsh thing to say out there, but if they can come to an agreement to get him back in a Barcelona shirt and have a proper farewell, that would be ideal because he, he deserves that. He absolutely yeah, yeah. deserves that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. What, it's going to be interesting to see what Lionel Messi playing for an MLS side looks like. Mm. Like in a purely footballing. Yeah, of course. I think it's great for American fans that they get messy in the league. I think from a football point of view, I personally feel like there were, there were more fun options out there. I'm actually just looking forward to the bit where the centre forwards start getting used to his passes. It's the first mm. three or four games, they'll be like, really? You expect me to run there? Messi's like, no, trust me, it's going to end up there. And then like about five, six games in, it'll be like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's always fun to see it clicking into place. So mm. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, look, I think more fun as a footballing Enterprise, yeah, other options, but I think for the family, for the collective, it's just yeah. And at the end of the day, like he said, his family wasn't, you know, he wasn't really happy. His family wasn't really that happy last couple of years. Like at the end of the day, you just do what's best for you, man. And the fact that he he turned down that gigantic offer from Saudi Arabia shows that I think it's a some of the figures being mentioned. Yeah, some of the figures being mentioned were Mm. like extraordinary. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Speak, so speaking of Saudi Arabia, it looks like Angola Kante is off there as well. Benzema joined mm. the Saudi Pro League as well. There's a lot of players. Four, was it four teams got nationalised last week as well? So there's a big, that combined with the PIF deal with the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour this week means that there's a big, I think it's going to be a big summer for um, 
the the PIF and Saudi Arabia moving on sports stuff. Mm. Um, I think maybe we swerve that for now. Maybe see what what shakes down. See in the how summer. it plays out. Yeah. See how yeah. all the news play out. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we've we've talked a little bit away from the mics about what we think might this might mean, and there's been a lot of talk about it. But I just think it's too early. It's way too early for for this kind of to predict really what the future looks like with that, with those kind of moves. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, some of the money flying around is just absolutely obscene. Mm. Um, if you told me hey, Golo Kanta, he'd be in this professional and financial position, what, 10 years ago when he was at Boulogne in the, mm. third, in the French third division, if you'd said to him, oh yeah, by the way, you'll have won a league with Leicester. What? And uh, yeah, and, um, and a, and, a, and a league, a league with, with Chelsea. Chelsea. What? Yeah. And a Champions League with Chelsea. Wait, hang on. And a World Cup. What? Oh yeah, and you'll and be Europa League. Uh, yeah, no, and Europa League, and you'll be li- you'll be living in Saudi and earning what two hundred million in two years. I think he would have been. I think he would have been mildly surprised. I think. I think. I, I think, think mildly, mildly surprised is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, some other transfer news very quickly. Just seeing that Alexis McAllister has uh, completed his move to Liverpool. 35 million plus add-ons, which I think is is a steal for Liverpool. I mean, it's the buyout clause, so it's, everything's everything's all legit, but yeah. it's And he's taking the number 10 shirt. It's hard to think of a more Scouse name of a player that's not actually Scouse. I love it so much. I love it so much. I love the signing. I love everything about I it. I love it, yeah. There I mean, was he's, a, he's, he, you know you have this thing about the most Atleti player never to play for Atleti. I yeah. think Alexis McAllister was the most Liverpool player not to currently play at Liverpool I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what I love about, there was that great um, interview with um, Lalana. I don't know if you saw it, it's brilliant. It's a short interview just talking about um, McAllister, McAllister and his, his brilliance and talking about watching him at Brighton settle in and then going to the World Cup and just starting and being incredible. And then at the end, in the final, just, he was like this, the, almost the awe with which Lalana talked about him, like Messi was looking for him. Messi was looking for him to like interact and like make those moves and, he is a genuinely incredible player in terms of his big match temperament. He looked absolutely fearless the entire tournament. You talk about Messi never looking tired. McAllister never looked afraid. There was a bit, he was talking about the World Cup final. Mm. Uh, actually, there was an interview he, he gave quite recently, Ryan. I think it was a throwaway comment. And he referred to being like calm. And I'm like, what is this guy on? Like, <laughs> Dude, what is the man's like, resting pulse? Straight on penalty duty. What is his resting saying. pulse? Yeah. Goodness. Serious. Anyway, great signing. Listen. Great love, signing. Love, love that. Love that for Liverpool. Love that for them. Love that. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Are we good? I think we're good. I think we're good. We're good? Yeah. Yep. Right. Let's bounce. Don't forget, we'll do a Champions League final show on, that'll go up on Sunday. Mailbag episode will record, we'll be recording Monday. So get your questions into us. End of season mailbag. That'll go up on Tuesday. And then uh, one final episode before we break for the summer that'll be on Thursday um, in the meantime in the meantime check the ringer.com some great stuff going up this week Kevin Clark's bit on the PIF PGA DP World Tour um, deal is brilliant and Brian Phillips has just dropped a messy piece no Brian Phillips yes. on messy goodness me I know hold me oh one final thing Everton fans diced up t-shirts only a week le- a week left go and buy them all the money's go- all the money's going to Everton in the community um, go to our pinned tweet on Twitter and share with any Everton fans you know or any Everton forums yeah. 
want to raise as much money for everything in the community as possible. Um, they're not exactly flying out. I'm not going to lie, Musa. Ha 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 We might have got a little bit too niche on this one. <laughs> <laughs> even for us, too niche even for us. Even for us, man. Wow, yeah. Um, Listen, we can all, we can all, we can all do a run of the uh, Stadio sweatshirts again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Rely um, on the old classics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we on the merch thing. We are working on some merch stuff this summer. We're going to send a mail out soon because it's been a while, and we're going to kind of lay out maybe maybe some stuff that we want to do over the next year, and just yep. stuff that we haven't really been able to do. I think just because of like scheduling this season. To be honest, it's been wild. Mm-hmm. Anyway. One final bit of admin, Stadio Outros placed on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. Newest one is at the top. And we're playing out on track called Hey by Silverleaf. It just had, you know, good vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you would like to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you on, well, no, we'll be back with you on Sunday. So we'll see you during the weekend. We will indeed. See you then. See you then. <laughs>